Colossians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. It says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your anointing would be upon me and upon your word. I pray, Lord, that we would be open to you as you speak to us. As you remind us, Lord, that it's greater than us. It's greater than us. And let your word have an impact on our lives, Lord. Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. I pray. Amen. I've entitled the message, It's Greater Than You Are. It's Greater Than You Are. A couple of weeks ago, as part of our missions con uh, convention, in the morning we had Santiago here, and he was sharing with us his ministry. And he shared with us how about the deception and the twisting of the truth of the Word of God by the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. And he said that they sprinkle a small uh, amount of biblical truth to make their teachings sound and seem like ours, the same as us, the same as our teachings. And then make the lies of their teachings appear to be deeper revelations that they have received through their leadership. And because of this, he pointed out it is vital for us to know what we believe and why we believe it. And that stuck with me. But it's more than just the voices of those few people that come once in a great while and knock on our door who belong to the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witnesses. There is all kinds of voices out there in our world that twist the truth of the Word of God, that speak lies to us. And we have to be very careful that we're not deceived by their teachings. Now, I understand 
that I am preaching to people this morning who know the truth and are solid in your walk with the Lord. But, and that's why I've entitled this message, It's Greater Than You. It's not just about you and knowing what you believe and why you believe it, but it's about your family members too. Because you know the truth, because you're solid in your biblical knowledge, it's, you're a covering for your family. And so it's important for you to realize that it, this is greater than you. And that we must do all that we can to help teach and train our family members to know the truth, the whole truth, and why they should believe it. Because there is a lot of voices out there that come against them every day of their life, bombarding them with lies and deception. And it's cleverly packaged and easily accepted. And it's more than just a, a few Mormon or uh, Jehovah's Witnesses coming and knocking on their door. Because when you stop and think about it, we don't have them come too many times on our personal door. Maybe once every four or five, six years, we have them come and knock on our door. And yes, we need to be ready for them, and we need to be on guard against their teachings. But in the meantime, we have had millions of times where voices have spoken to us or been around us that has spoken more dangerous lies, lies than they will ever speak. And we need to realize these voices are out there bombarding our family, members of our family. And so we must do all that we can do to prevent them from being deceived. Paul dealt with this same issue with the church of Colossae and Laodicea. Because these churches was churches that Paul planted. And he was concerned about their spiritual growth. And he weeped over them daily, praying for them. And I want you to, to understand what, how Paul is feeling about these people in the churches that he planted, that he loved on, that he reached out and, and uh, presented the message of Jesus Christ in a way that they received it and they became Christians and he carried the burden for them. He said in verse 1, he says, I want you to know how hard I contend for you. He says, I want you to know how hard I'm fighting for you. That you'll survive. And we have to understand that we're also contending for our family. They're in the midst of a spiritual battle for their souls. 
And they need to know how hard we're contending for them. Paul said uh, his message to them was to let them know that they had somebody on their side who was fighting for their survival. Now, I want to say this from the beginning. This message isn't meant to condemn you for doing too little. Understand that. Because as I preach this message, you're going to feel like I'm not doing enough. But that's not the intent of this message, nor is it the, the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the enemy trying to get you to feel like you're not doing enough and feel guilty over it. Because every one of us can say, you know, I could do more. Can't we? Until every one of our family members is safe and under the, the ark of safety of Jesus Christ, we all can feel like we could do more and should be doing more. But that's not the purpose of this message. It's not to, call, uh, to tell you you're not doing enough, but rather it's to encourage you to remember the importance of why you're doing what you are doing and contending for their souls. There's a purpose behind it, and I want to remind you of the importance of, that, of doing that. Because they hang in the, in the balance. Their souls are hanging in the balance. And they're unable to fight for themselves, and because of that, they need us who are strong in our relationship with the Lord, who is strong in our knowledge of the Bible, to contend for them. Because there are powers of darkness that is also contending for their soul. And we need to keep fighting for their soul. Paul said, I'm fighting for you. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for your survival. He understood the power of the enemy. And their vulnerability. He understood they were young in their relationship with Christ. And they were at a vulnerable state. And he knew how powerful the enemy was to deceive. And he said, I want you to know I'm fighting for you that you will survive. Until you can be strong enough to fight for yourself, I want you to understand how hard I'm contending for you. That you will know the truth and you will build your life on that truth. And I want you to know the same thing. That you're contending for your family. Some of them are, are strong Christians. But they need to know you're fighting alongside of them. That when, they, when they're under attack, you're fighting alongside of them. That they're not alone on the battlefield. That you're fighting with them. Some of your family members are young in Christ. And they're very vulnerable. Because they don't know the Bible as well as you do. They don't know the truths of the Bible. They don't know enough of the Bible to be able to fight against the deception of the world. And so they need to know that you're fighting with them and you're standing beside them and that what they are weak in, you will be strong for them as you are strong in Christ. They need to know that you're there. And then we all have family members who 
do not know the Lord as their personal Savior. They're lost, spiritually lost. They've heard the lies of the world and the deception of the world, and they have believed those lies, and they're living those lies. And they need to know that you're contending for their soul, that you're praying over them, and that you are doing all that you can to reveal Jesus Christ to them so that they will reach out and receive his salvation. They need to know you're doing that. They need your help to discern truth and to choose it until they're mature enough to choose it on their own. Without you contending for their survival, they will become another casualty of war. And the question is, how do we contend for them? How do we tend for their soul and their survival? Paul tells us some of the answer in Colossians 1 verse 9. He says, For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. Paul made it very clear to them. I never stop praying for you. The first weapon Paul used was prayer. He said, I never stop praying for you. But it's not just general prayers. Oh Lord, keep your hand over them. Oh Lord, guide them by your Spirit. Oh God, provide for their needs. He said, I'm not praying that. It's important that we do pray those prayers, don't we? But we need to pray specifically targeted prayers over our family. How do you do that? You have to know what they're dealing with in their lives. You have to communicate with them. To learn what they're dealing with. What they're going against. And when you know what they're going against, you target the gates of hell through your prayers in those areas. That they'll not be deceived by the enemy. When they're making decisions in their life, you pray over those decisions. And you ask God to give them His will for their life. Paul said, I'm praying Asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding. He said, I'm praying for your wisdom and understanding. That can only come through the Holy Spirit. He's praying that the Holy Spirit will be active in their life and they'll recognize that. That's what we need to do for our family members. We need to pray that they will gain understanding and wisdom through the working of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Revealing to them what the real, true will of God is for them. Your first weapon is through your prayer. Asking God to fill, you, fill your family members 
with the wisdom and understanding that the Holy Spirit gives them to know God's will for them. You want them to make the right decisions? Then pray God will give them wisdom and discernment. You pray that God will give you the opportunity to speak into their lives. Now, let me say this. It's important for them to understand that when you speak into their lives and give them advice and counsel, they need to know that you're not trying to control their life, but you're just trying to give them advice that will help them be able to make their own decision. They have to know that. Because if they feel like you're just trying to control them, they won't listen to you. How many here have raised teenagers? Okay. You understand this truth. I've not raised teenagers, but I've spoken, counseled to enough parents to to have an idea of what does work and what doesn't work. When you're dealing with teenagers, when they feel you're trying to control them, they buck it, don't they? Because they feel like they need to be able to make decisions on their own. You have to understand as parents, you're taking a a baby, an infant baby who is totally dependent on you. And in 18 years, you're having to teach and train them to become totally independent of you. And that's what they're working toward. And so when they hit those teenage years, what they're wanting to do is to begin living their life. Making the decisions, not having mom and dad make all of their decisions. And they tell mom and dad, you have to let me make the decisions. I'm not a child anymore. And that is true. But they're still not at an adult age to where they can make all the decisions for themselves. They still need help. But as long as they feel that mom and dad is forcing them to do things, they will buck it. And it doesn't stop there. It carries on into adulthood. When you have adult children and you are trying to help them raise their kids, what do they say? Mom and dad, you raised me. It's my turn to raise my kids. You stay out of my business and let me raise my kids the way I know how. Why? Because they still feel like you're trying to control their life. And so it's important for you to say, when you're trying to give them advice, you go and tell them, I'm not trying to control your life. I just want to give you a little bit of help so that you can have more information available to you to be able to make the right decisions. And then let them know the decisions are theirs. It's the same spiritually. When someone thinks that you're forcing them to believe what you believe, they will buck it. They want to be able to live their own life and make their own spiritual decisions. But how many of us know that not everybody makes the right spiritual decisions, do they? That's why we have a lot of false cults and false religions and billions of people following those false religions. Why? Because they're making their own decisions, but they're making it with false information. 
And so they need us to teach and train them to give them the equipment that they need to be able to make the right spiritual decisions. And they need to, let, to know that you, as their covering in their family, is helping them make those decisions, not controlling them in how they make the decisions. That's why it's important for you to keep praying for them, but also for yourself, and saying, Lord, I, I have a burden for this person in my family. Right now, they're not serving you. And it just breaks my heart. Give me opportunity to pour into their life. But when I do that, Lord, I need your wisdom and your understanding so that I say the right thing the right way so that they receive it instead of put a wall up between us. You need to pray that they receive it, but they, you also need to pray over yourself and say, Lord, give me wisdom so that I can show them what your will is and help them make the decisions that they're facing. Paul said, I'm contending for your soul. Your family needs you to know that you're contending for them. The second weapon is the Word of God. They need you to teach them how to read the Bible. They need you to teach them how to study the Bible. And they need you to teach them how to apply it to their life or to make it relevant to their life. One of the saddest things in this world is most people today believe that the Bible is the Word of God, but they don't believe it's relevant for today. They just see it as a history book full of stories that happened long time ago about people who were way more righteous than I can ever be. And they struggle with making it relevant to them today. They need you. Your family needs you to show them how it is relevant to their life. How they can build their life upon the truths that's found in the Word of God. They need you to show them how to dig those truths out. That they can know those truths. So that when the world speaks to them lies, they can know what to battle those lies with. And they can stand on the truth and not be, be deceived by half-truths. The more they know and comprehend, the less likely they will be deceived by the lies of the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. 
and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The weapon that helps you do that is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is active and alive, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. You want your family members to make the right choices, make the right decisions, teach them how to read in the Bible and apply it to their life. The second thing that Paul said was his goal. Verses 2 and 3, look at that again. Verses 2 and 3. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding, in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Paul's goal was that they would be encouraged in heart and united in love. Back in the 50s and 60s, there was a program, The Lone Ranger. You remember it? It was a great show. The Lone Ranger was a great show because every episode had justice winning out, right? The Lone Ranger was a great TV program, character. But the truth is, you can't defeat the enemy by being a Lone Ranger. You have to have the help of strong spiritual companionship. Your family members cannot win the battle for their souls fighting alone. They need you fighting with them and fighting for them until they can fight for themselves. Paul's goal was that they would have the full riches of complete understanding. Remember what Santiago said? The danger of the Mormons and the Jehovah's Witness was they would take small pieces of biblical truth and and just mix it in with their false teachings. And the little bit of biblical truth made their false teachings seem believable and seem like truth. So they didn't have the full riches of the complete understanding. If our family members are going to stand for Christ and walk with Christ, then they have to have the full riches of complete understanding. They have to know all that's hidden in the Bible. Now I understand we'll never know everything that the Bible tells us, right? But our family members need us to teach and train them that you can't just pick out bits and pieces of it, and if you don't agree with the other parts, you just just throw them away. It doesn't work that way. If the Bible is truth, it's all truth. And it has to be accepted, all of it, as a whole. We can't pick and choose what we want to accept because it goes along with what we are wanting in life. 
Because the voices of the world will tell them to do that. I know you're a Christian. I know you go to church on Sundays. But the gang is getting together and we're going swimming today. You can miss Sunday school once. It'll be all right. You won't go to hell just because you missed church once. Come with us. I know there's prayer meeting tonight, and you always go to prayer meeting, but your coworkers are getting together, and they're going to go bowling. It's just a fun night out to release some of the stress. We've been under a lot of stress, you know, making this deadline, and, and we're just going to go and just have some fun. Come on. You can miss prayer meeting once. It's not going to kill you to miss prayer meeting once. God isn't going to get mad at you for missing prayer meeting once. Come on. There'll be a little bit of drinking, but you don't have to drink. We know you're not a drinker. Just drink Coke. You'll be fine. The problem is, and I'm not saying that all our coworkers are bad and all our peers are bad, but if they're not saved, the things they talk about is things that we shouldn't fill our mind with. Amen? And so if we hang out with them, we may not drink with them. We may not do some things that we know we shouldn't be doing. We may be strong enough to do that. But the problem is we're feeding our minds with what they're saying. And it's more than just swear words. Understand that. It's more than just bad jokes. They're talking philosophy and ideologies, what they believe. And we fill our minds with those things that are contrary to the Word of God, which causes us to start thinking, well, that sounds pretty good. You know, there's a lot of truth in that. And we start out saying, but yet it goes against the Word of God, so I'm not going to grab onto that. But the more we listen to it, the more convinced we are. You know, maybe that's right, and maybe the Word of God is wrong. Maybe God missed it with this. And suddenly we start believing what our coworkers are talking about. And we start believing them more than we are believing the Word of God. And eventually, if we do that, suddenly we stop reading the Bible and we start interacting with their discussions. And suddenly, we're leading the discussion. And we're taking their, uh, their philosophies and we're going two steps beyond it. Because we're combining what they're saying along with what we know from the Bible. And we feel like we've got a super teaching. And it's not long before we start spreading that super teaching out into our families. And instead of spreading the gospel in our families, we're spreading half-truths that sound good to those, and then we're wondering why I can't get my family to come to church on Sunday. It's not because we attend less than we once did. 
It's because what we're speaking out to them. We're speaking confusion to them. We once spoke Scripture to them, but now we're speaking confusion to them. And we wonder why they're not getting the fact that they need to serve God. And, and the fact is, we're spreading confusion to them. And they're thinking, wow, that doesn't sound like the Bible. Where are they getting that? And then they start talking about, well, I don't want to have anything to do with that hypocrite. Because he speaks the Bible, but he lives something else. And we wonder why we're not reaching our families. It's because we're spreading confusion to our families. And I'm not saying that's what you do. I'm saying that's what we need to guard against. We need to make sure. And, I, and I'm not saying that you can't hang out with coworkers. Understand that. Just make sure you understand what they're speaking. So that, we can, that way we can continue to speak truth into our family members' lives rather than half-truths. Paul said, my goal is for them to be encouraged in heart, but also united in love. Where they're relying on one another. To know Christ in whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That should be our goal. Is that they know Christ. It's good that they know David and Goliath. It's good that they know Daniel in the lion's den. It's good that they know Moses parting the Red Sea. But what they got to know is Jesus and His love and His death and resurrection. Because that's where all the treasures are found. Third, Paul talked about protection. We see this in verse 4. He said, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Paul was contending for their soul because he didn't want them to be deceived by anybody's fine-sounding arguments. We've all been there, haven't we? Slick talk of a salesman for us. We've been there, haven't we? We've gone to the used car lot. And we've told ourselves, before I go, I'm going to stand up and I'm going to tell the salesman just to leave me alone. Let me find my own car and then I'll buy it. And we're looking and we see this oh, beautiful red car. It's what we've always been looking for. But the slicks sounding salesman comes up and says, well, that's a good car. 
It's a good car, but I've got a better one over here. And he starts talking about the car and telling you all of, all of its features. And it's not long before you stop looking at the red one that you really want and you're looking at the black one. And you're thinking, okay, I need to go take it to my mechanic so he can check it all over. But the salesman said, oh, you don't need to do that. We've checked it over. It's a good car. And you buy it. You weren't wanting it. You were wanting the red one, but you were taken in by the salesman. And it's not long you're, you start hearing all the rattles. Transmission starts slipping a little bit. Can't find all the gears. It's not long before there's major bills. All because you were taken in by the slick talk of the salesman. Or maybe it was an appliance. Maybe it was a house. It's the same spiritually for our loved ones, our family members. There's a lot of voices out there that's speaking to them to try to get them to choose things they're not really wanting. Paul said, my goal is to protect you. Our goal is to protect them from all the voices out there that would lead them astray. And then fifth or fourth is in your absence. Verse five, though, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. The goal is to teach and train your family members so that when you're not present, they still make good decisions based on biblical truth. So they have a firm faith that's not based on whether or not you're there. That they only make good decisions when you're there helping them. But they're spiritually growing and maturing. I want to close with the altar call. This past week when I was preparing this message, I prayed that as you listen to this message, the Holy Spirit would bring family members' names to your mind. And I believe He has done that. And these names are sticking with you. And my prayer is the burden has increased for them. Because you're concerned that they will be deceived and lost. My prayer is that this message will convince you to continue to contend for them. To fight for their survival. That you will see them in your mind's eye being deceived. 
and being led away from the Lord so that you will, your heart will grieve over them to the point that you will do anything and everything to teach and train them to contend for their survival. It's not that you have not done enough in the past. It's about what you will continue to do from this point on so that the war isn't lost. And I want us to spend some time in the, in the altars praying for our families, but also praying for yourself that the Lord will give you opportunities to pour into their life and that you'll not miss those opportunities, but that He will give you discernment and wisdom in how to speak to them, to speak truth into their lives in a way that they'll receive it. And I want you to pray for your family that they'll receive that truth and they will choose to build their life on truth from the Word of God, not what the world considers truth. Because what the world considers truth shifts from day to day. But what the Word of God says is truth never shifts, never changes. It remains solid. And so I want us to pray sometime and intercede for our family members that they will listen and hear when we speak it to them. And they will make that choice to build their life on the biblical truths. Will you find a place of prayer? Will you come and find a place of prayer?